listeners, before we get to this episode of Problem Solvers, here is a word from our sponsor. This episode of Problem Solvers is being presented by State Farm. Being a small business owner can be so fulfilling, rewarding, and let's be honest, a little scary from time to time. Doing your own thing and being your own boss is great, but sometimes it can make you feel like you are all alone, especially when things aren't going great. Well, the folks at State Farm want you to know that you are not alone. State Farm has thousands of agents who are small business owners too, so they know what it takes to protect everything you've worked so hard for. State Farm has an assortment of insurance policies for small businesses that can be tailored to your needs. So whether you're a hairstylist, an electrician, or a florist, State Farm agents are ready to help. Learn more and find an agent today at statefarm.com slash business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now, on with the show. From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Rosie, why did you write You Are Radically Loved? That is, uh, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) This is my friend, Rosie. Hey, everybody. This is Rosie Acosta. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and author of You Are Radically Loved. You Are Radically Loved being the name of her beautiful new book, the full title of which is You Are Radically Loved, A Healing Journey to Self-Love. And Rosie is about the most soothing person I know, most calming person, which is pretty amazing given that her backstory is anything but, and you'll hear about that in just a second. But as I told Rosie when we started recording, the reason why I wanted you my entrepreneurial audience to hear from her on the subject of self-care is because, well, I'm just going to play you a few minutes of our conversation to start. This is a conversation that happens in entrepreneurship enough. They understand the value of self-care, and yet I think that they struggle to commit themselves to it. Yeah. And so I think that's a good place for us to live in, in this conversation, because I don't know how much convincing you need to do of the importance of it, but I do think there's a lot of connective tissue that needs to be built to actually get there. So can you start with yourself and walk me into how you recognize the value of this for yourself? Yes, and I'm with you. And I think that everything that you said, especially the connective tissue of where we need to go in order to be productive, has to start with our desire to want to be more connected to that part of us, to who, to more of who and what we really are. And so I know that you know my story. I I grew up in East LA during the LA riots in a very chaotic environment. There was lots of gang violence, a lot of instability and a lot of insecurity. And I had to navigate that at a very young age. And by the time I was a teenager, I was really struggling with debilitating panic attacks and anxiety and depression and but really all the signs of PTSD from living in an environment where you saw a lot of violence, drive-by shootings, etc. And it was during that time, as many teenagers my age in that area, growing up in a low-income environment, you aren't supervised by adults. So you're left to your own devices. And so we just got into a lot of trouble. (laughs) And, And I ended up getting arrested for 
trying to um, steal a, a cop car. And I had to make a decision to either choose to change my life or just become another statistic. And it was during that time that I got introduced to mindfulness meditation. My mom had brought this pamphlet home from a friend of hers, and it was talking about how meditation helps with anxiety and to deal with stress. And And I started to learn more about connecting to that part of myself. And I, and I talk about this a lot, my podcast about my first experience with mindfulness and meditation and how it was the first time in my life that I'd ever felt what that inner tapestry was, what that anchor within myself was. I had never felt my body before. I had never felt my breath before. I know it sounds a little bit strange, but if you can think about even for you, Jason, what was the first time you remembered or you realized that you had a body or that you were in this vessel? And so for me, it was a very visceral experience because most of the time my body was in this state of my central nervous system always being activated. I was super hyper vigilant because I was in a chaotic environment. So I'll fast forward to it completely changed my life. It changed my way of thinking. It helped me make better decisions. And I decided that I wanted to create a, a career. In the beginning, I had regular jobs and I worked for a couple of different businesses, but it really allowed me to create that inner compass, that stability, that anchor I needed in order for me to perform in a way that felt authentic, real, and honest. And that was always a really important foundation for me. So now that you've heard that background, let me tell you what we want to do in this episode. Rosie and I sat down to have a conversation about the importance of self-care and how to make it work in your life. And the thing that you're going to hear is that there's no one specific way to do this. Rosie and I, we've known each other long enough that we have a pretty personal conversation here. And we're coming at this subject from two totally different vantage points. Maybe you are going to be more Team Jason, maybe you're more Team Rosie in terms of how you relate to the subject matter. But I think that either way, I hope that you'll come to appreciate the importance of it and the endless different ways in which you can make it work for you. So on this episode of Problem Solvers, we are going to tackle the problem of not taking care of yourself enough. And it's coming up after the break. If you're a software engineer, then you have been there. It's 9 p.m., you're finally unwinding from work, and your phone buzzes with an alert. Something is broken. What could it be? The server? The network? Now your whole team is scrambling from tool to tool to find and fix the issue. But you know what? None of this would happen if you just got new Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally buy separately, so engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code so you know exactly why the problem happened and can resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. So get New Relic before it does. And and you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash problem solvers. That is N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash problem solvers. Newrelic.com slash problem solvers. 
All right, we're back with my friend Rosie Acosta, who just wrote a great book called You Are Radically Loved. You just heard a second ago her backstory and how mindfulness, how self-care, how this new way of thinking enabled her to escape a very, very different life. And I'm going to pick up the conversation there. The stakes seem, as I hear that story, to be very high. Just to say, you either find some new way to live, to think about yourself, to experience the world, or you do not get out of the environment that you just described. And uh, you obviously made the decision that you did. Here you are helping others do the same thing, no matter where they're coming from. And as I think about that and poured it over to entrepreneurs, the stakes for them feel very high too. Mm. different, of course. Everyone has their own different upbringings and origins, but your ability to be, and when I say you, I don't mean you, I mean you. (laughs) I mean, not you, Rose, I mean you, the listener, (laughs) that you are either going to be able to keep yourself and the things around you together, or it is all going to fall apart. That feels like the constant stakes for entrepreneurs. And I feel like there's a tension that somebody feels, and I, I feel it myself in my own way, which is like, you hear, you should take care of yourself. You hear, you need mm-hmm. to be more mindful. You go through all these practices. But at the same time, you think, I don't have time for that. I've got a business to run. <laughs> I have things that need to get done. And so I maybe will sacrifice my own well-being for now for the betterment of whatever it is that I'm working on. And of course, that that can be a slope that never it never stops. So take me into how maybe you found for yourself and how you help others actually commit to this and to think maybe differently about how the time that they spend really impacts themselves and the things around them. Yeah. I mean, these are really great questions. And I know that there's articles being written all the time about how meditation and mindfulness increase productivity. And I mean, stress, heart disease is still one of the number one killers in our country. I mean, it it really is. And we think about the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform. And we are in a production-based environment, especially when it comes to entrepreneurs. You are operating in a different system from a different place. And so I think talking about self-care and actually practicing self-care are not the same thing (laughs) because we can talk about we can list all of the things that we need to do in order to create a more mindful and more relaxed experience. But I, I really feel that it come, what it comes down to, the most important aspect of, of all of this when it comes to mindfulness is to be able to be at home within yourself, to be your authentic self, to be able to not have to be somebody you're not. And when it comes to productivity, I mean it in the way of we can't be all things to all people. And I feel like we put just so much pressure on ourselves to be multifaceted and wear many hats and do all of the jobs to the point of the the deterioration of our mental wellness or physical wellness. I know so many entrepreneurs that put their self-care on the back burner and 
I'd be curious for you, knowing everything that you know, and I know that you know all of these things. This is, and the people listening to this probably know these. Probably these know it too, which well. is why, why the next thing that I'm going to ask you about is how to put things into practice. But yeah, what were you going to? Yeah, say? I mean, the question is talking about it and doing it are the two different things. So for yourself, how do you see yourself integrating it? I, I see it in in two ways for people. People actually, you can either integrate it in a very regimented way where you wake up in the morning and you do your meditation practice and you have a routine or the people that just sort of go ham all week, Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, they create time for getting a massage or going on a hike or doing your meditation practice on the weekends, all of which are great, by the way any little you can do is is great. I'm curious for you how you integrate it into your life. So Rosie, it's funny. The very first time that we spoke was on your podcast, your wonderful podcast. And you had asked me something about how I integrate self-care into my life or something like that. And I did not have an answer at all. It's not something I had ever thought about. <laughs> I just did. It was. I was speaking before. Like it was. It was like, Jason. How often do you ride your elephant? And I was like, Well, I don't have an elephant. So, but then something happened when I was in Boulder. I so for those who are not longtime listeners of the show, you may not know. I usually live in New York. I lived in Boulder for a year and a half, and at some point, I started going on bike rides mainly because. A friend who lived across the street one day asked me if I wanted to go on a bike ride at like 1 p.m. on a Wednesday. And I was like, no, because I have work to do. And he's like, I have work to do too, but I'm going anyway. And then he left and I felt like, well, wait a second, why can't I do that? And so I tried it once and it, and it was great. It was like a break from the day. And I came back and I felt refreshed and nothing had broken. And I realized that I actually don't need to be sitting in front of the computer the whole day. I don't need the anxiety that I had been creating for myself. And so then I started to build on top of that. And the lesson that that taught me, aside from just that it's nice to go take a bike ride, is that you got to start with something and then build on top of it. This is This is an observation that I've become a little obsessed with, which is just that we can't take in things unless we already have something related to it inside of us. Mm -hmm. So why do you read the story, the really interesting story that you found on Apple News about like a black hole in some galaxy a bazillion light years away? <laughs> you know, and it's like you read it and you're like, that's really interesting. And then the second you're not reading it, you don't remember it at all. <laughs> why? And the answer is because you don't know anything about black holes. So right. it has no information in your brain to attach itself to. Yes. Like you can't just you can't just grab random fragments of things. And so similarly, Rosie, you could tell me some whole hog meditation session to do. And I, it's not gonna stick in my brain because right. I haven't done the first step of it. So to me, what I realize is like I need to baby step my way into this and I need to not overwhelm myself with a thing that is supposed to not overwhelm. That's like supposed to do the exact opposite of overwhelming. And so uh, so the answer is a bike ride, a walk, just a coffee with a friend that goes longer than 15 minutes, just anything to keep away from the computer and come back and prove to myself once again, that I can 
actually step away and that the day that I've built for myself maybe isn't the healthiest day. Yes. So well, uh, build, build off of that for me. Yeah, no, I love what you're saying that you're creating a, a system for yourself that it, you have the positive affirmation of actually integrating something that works for you that you can do. That's right. I, I love building on the little steps because it creates a an incentive for you to actually do it. And I want to be clear that self-care doesn't mean stopping everything and getting a massage or having a spa day. A lot of the times there's this misconception that self-care is me disconnecting from everything. Self-care sometimes is just you saying no to Mm. something that comes up, maybe an Mm -hmm. opportunity that you're already spread too thin for, or saying no to going to see your family for the weekend because you want to just stay at home and hang out with your family and the kids or whatever it may be. I think that it's important for us to really assess our own uh, list of what's important for us and what is going to feel like those small wins. Because if, if we don't, then we just start beating ourselves up. And sometimes it's, yeah, creating a, an opportunity for you to disconnect from the computer. I mean, every, I always tell my students this, the body needs to move every 90 minutes. So if you can set your phone or timer, if you have an iWatch or whatever device, something you can time yourself every 90 minutes to stand up and walk around for 10 minutes. Even if you're just like in the middle of your day and you have to just be on, just stand up on your computer, you know, not on your computer, but stand up while you're... Don't do that. Don't stand on your your computer. Bad advice. Not work. But just give yourself an opportunity to get the body moving and, and to be able to be in a position where you're blood can flow in a in a nice way and you don't feel stuck. A lot of the times we also feel like self-care requires me to block out a certain level of minutes in a day. Or I think it's important for people to just realize that it's not, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It it can be something very simple. It can simply be just giving yourself a moment every morning to read a a book, 10 pages of a book or five pages of a book. And the other thing, the main self-care ritual that I love is sleep. Mm. That is the number one. And I know people talk about this all the time, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs that love being sleep heroes. The the sort of, I only got four hours of sleep today and I've been so productive. I've been working these 18 hour days and, and I'm just, it's not sustainable. It is not sustainable at all. And for us to even practice self care by going to bed 30 minutes earlier or an hour earlier, waking up just a little bit before your norm is, is an opportunity for you to do something for yourself that makes you feel what Jason was saying, that anchoring in. Don't revamp your entire life because if it's something so extreme, you're not going to do it. And you're already doing so much. I mean, being an entrepreneur is already taxing. It's already doing more than the, I don't want to say the normal person, but you know the, the general population. So know that Yes, you can absolutely perform at a high capacity and a high level. That's amazing. You're still human and you still need those moments of respite to reconnect with yourself. It's going to make you happier and it's ultimately going to create for more productivity. The sleep hero phrase is a wonderful one and reminds me of this thing that I put together for New York Magazine in 2014. And so while you were talking, I just Googled to find it. It was They were doing a 
package about sleep and it asked me to do a bunch of stuff. And anyway, one of the things that I had done was just simply find, I mean, this is like, what did I do? What I did is I found someone else's work and I put it in New York Magazine. But so I certainly no hero here. But anyway, there was a, there was a book about the habits of geniuses and they had done this research to figure out when brilliant people slept. And uh, it was a great way to counter what I think is the narrative that we tell ourselves, which is that people who work hard and who achieve things are like never sleeping, which is, which is I think, why there is that sleep hero idea. So mm-hmm. just to fill it in, a couple examples. Ludwig von Beethoven, he slept from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. That was his routine. That's a good eight hours of sleep that's right good, there. Yeah, it's a good block. Good one. Emmanuel Kant, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., so a little bit less. Maya Angelou, 10 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. Victor Hugo, 10 to 6. People are very, very popular, 10 to 6. John mm-hmm. Milton, 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. It's shifted a little earlier than I remember. Yeah. But uh, Charles Dickens, uh, 12 a.m. to 7 a.m. So, you know, the, the, uh, the greats were getting a good seven, eight hours of sleep. We're going to take a short break and then come back with more of my conversation with Rosie. No one succeeds alone. Even the best entrepreneurs know when it's time to bring in an outside expert. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. You can check work samples, client reviews, and more to make sure you're hiring the right pro for your business, and there's no cost until you hire. Plus, you only pay for work you approve. Whether you're looking to hire a single pro for a project or an entire team to scale your business, Upwork can help you reach your goals. And however you hire, Upwork is available to help you keep things running smoothly with 24-7 support, letting you stay focused on what matters, your business. Find the right talent for whatever your business needs at Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at www.upwork.com. All right, we're back. We were talking about sleep and we're going to pick it up there. What's your sleep like? Well, that is somewhat dependent upon the whims of my children in the morning. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, no, when everything's going well, when they've exhibited the training that we've oh. given them, my wife and I try to go to bed around 11.30. It, we usually are like in bed by 11, listen to a podcast, lights out, uh, drifting off to sleep around 11.30. And then the kids are supposed to wait until 7 a.m. to wake us up. We have a, a little alarm clock in their room that goes off and then they come storming into the room. So, so in an ideal scenario, I'm getting seven and a half hours of sleep. Okay. I could use a little bit more, but honestly, I'm making a, a bit of a trade-off. Not because I'm not not because of work. This is not a work sacrifice. It's really like a the kids are not fully out of our hair until 8.30 or 9. And then I want yeah. a few hours of calm adult time with my wife. And so, you know, I don't want to go to bed too early. We give that up. So we push a little late. Mm, I know. Do you, that's great. I mean, that's good to be able to have that routine. Do you or Jen sleep with phones next we do. to you? We mm. do. I know you're not supposed to. Feel free to make a case for it. But it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I don't, what would, what would my life be? What, how would my life be different if I didn't have the phone next to me? Do you, I, I w- do you put it on airplane mode or do you just, is it just on? You just have it next to the bed. Explain to me where the placement of the telephone is and then I'll okay. make a case for it. Sure. Sounds good. The phone is, I have a little nightstand directly next to my bed. There is a little wireless charger pad on that. Okay. And so I, the very last thing that I do with my phone in the evening is, well, I'm, my phone is the one that plays the podcast. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I, we usually listen to one, one of two shows. We either listen to The Moth 
or oh, or, ri- or risk which is basically like do you know risk risk is basically like it's like the moth but with dirtier stories <laughs> Ooh, it's, okay yeah. It's like it's like the moth, but occasionally it involves an S and M dungeon. Oh uh, my god! Okay, so, I'm gonna have to check that out. That yeah. sounds amazing. It's great. It's great. And so it's like you know storytelling for people who don't know either of these shows. They're um they're like live storytelling shows. So it's just a person telling a story in front of an, in front of an audience. It's a nice thing to drift off to. So we listen to probably a twenty minute story. I don't put it on airplane mode, but I do put it on uh, silent mode. Okay. Uh, do not disturb. So that if somebody texts me at three in the morning, it will not wake me up. And then I just put it to the side and then it starts charging. And then I close my eyes. And then about three minutes later, something pops into my head that I forgot to do that day. Uh-huh. And I grab my phone and I put it in my reminders to look at it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then the phone mm-hmm. goes back down and yeah. then I'm off to sleep. And then, you know, I don't touch it until the morning. Okay, make the case for how does, I should be doing. Do you does it? Is it your alarm in the morning? How? What is the first no, the thing children. you do when you wake up? The uh, children are the alarm. The children are the alarm. So uh, this is yes, Jim Quick, who you may know of uh, yeah. um, the book Limitless, was telling me that you should the like one of the greatest mistakes you can make is to is to look at your phone first thing in the morning. And uh, for all sorts of reasons, it sort of immediately puts you into work mode and multitasking mode and you should be entering the day more thoughtfully. And I have to be honest with you, I I heard that and I thought, well, that is fine if I had the ability to have a more leisurely morning, but I don't. Because the first thing that happens is that the alarm clock goes off and then the kids come storming into the room. And then the way that we've structured it is that my wife and I trade off mornings. One of us gets up at seven with the kids. The other one sleeps in for another 30 minutes. So, uh, and then gets up at 7.30. So if I get up, if, if I'm getting up with the kids, then the first things that I'm going to do are like get them going, right? They, they immediately yeah. have all sorts of requests. They want food, they want this. And then once I've got them settled, at that point, there's like, then I look at my phone. <laughs> yeah. Then I course. go and I check, check my email or whatever. And if, um, and if it's the 7.30 time that I get up at 7.30, Honestly, I guess the first thing I do is at 7.30, I look at my phone and then at like 7.32, I exit the bedroom. And then, you know, you get on, you get on with the day. So uh, tell me what you make of that. Yeah, no, I love, I love the, the whole experience. It sounds like a very <laughs> mindful experience. And first of all, I'll never shit on people. I don't like mm-hmm. shitting on people. I think every, especially with par- my parent people, I don't have kids, so I have dogs. But mm-hmm. if the dogs start whining in the middle of the night, we just give them time and they stop. But it's yeah. different if your children are hungry and they want to be fed in the morning. Right. Um, the, the moral consequences are different. Exactly. Yes. So I'm a fan of not having the phone in the bedroom. And I'll tell you why. I'm obviously self, self-employed. I'm an entrepreneur. I run my own little empire. I like to have a routine where I can clock out and be done. And for me, clocking out means the phone gets put away. It gets, it goes to bed. I put her on her charger by my computer in my office and I'm done. There's no more screen time. We're done. We might watch, you know, watch TV in the living room and then we'll sort of lull ourselves to, to bed, depending on what's going on. Because I'm a very, to me, the self-care practice, aside from meditation that I do is the sleep schedule. So here's the case. Having the phone, whether it's on airplane mode or not next to you, it creates the safety blanket of 
oh, if I remember something, I can just grab my phone. And the instant is, okay, I'm writing it down. So I'll forget it. My alerts are off, but the phone is still there. It's almost like you're not getting a break from the device. You're still in work mode in your brain. And listen, entrepreneurs out there, I I know you're you're in work mode 24-7. If you understand that and you're okay with that, that's sort of the nature of the game. You know, Tori, my my partner always says, because he's also, he's, had a business since 95. So he knows all about being an entrepreneur. And he says, entrepreneurs are the only people that will work 18 hour days to not have to work eight, you know, like the the eight hour day, right? And it's true. And obviously it's, you do what you love, but the phone in the bedroom, I feel causes that spinning wheel to continue to spin even in your subconscious mind because you know it's there. Now, what would happen if instead you had a journal next to your bed when you wake up in the middle of the night and you remember something and you write it down instead of grabbing the phone? For me, I think it creates a separation between here's my waking life and here's my internal life, right? That internal life when everything goes away and you actually have that moment to just be like how we were back in the day before technology. You can wake up at a certain time. I mean, do you remember the dial tone phones when you actually had to get a phone and be able to call somebody or wait for a letter in the mail? I feel like we've lost so much of that anticipation and the the excitement of having to wait for something or, or the time and space, all those greats that you just mentioned and their sleep. I wonder how much of that sleep they would have had had they had a smartphone. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I think it's different now. You know, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves now with having so much access to communicating with people all over the globe at all hours of the day. I think it's a great and beautiful thing. But at the same time, I feel that our entire system, especially our nervous system, wasn't necessarily built to intake so much information and process so many different ideas in situations or communications with people. We we need that time to be bored. We need that time, that space to go to sleep, to turn it off, to relax, to just be. That's my case. Okay. That's a fair case. I will admit to you, I don't buy all of it, but <laughs> that's okay. It's funny. I laughed. I laughed to myself and maybe possibly on mic, maybe it was audible when you said that you grab a journal to write something down if you because I was literally I had in my head as a question. I was like, well, what do you do if you don't have a phone mm. and you remember something? And then when you said journal, I was like, oh, right, because paper and pen exists. Like I forgot <laughs> that that exists as an option. <laughs> But anyway, but the, but the reason the reason I'm I think that your answer is wonderful for for those who find useful. But of course, the some of the things that you said are things that we've been saying for hundreds of years. So yeah. it's not necessarily the. Uh, uh, do, do you know a fun fact? When what is his name? When Samuel Morse, uh, creator of the of Morse code and and uh, bringer of the telegraph, when he was retiring, they there was a little party thrown for him and people stood up and they talked about how impactful he was. And and he was, I mean, before Samuel Morris, information only moved as fast as physical objects did. If you wanted to get something from here to there, you had to write it down, put it on a piece of paper, have a person sit on a horse and go, go, go. And that's as fast as the information moved. And suddenly it moved across a wire. It's unbelievable. And uh, anyway, this person stood up and, um, and basically castigated him for having changed the way that people live. Because before he, this person said he used to be able to go home at the end of the day and uh, no more information would come to him. And now information does. 
and he has to continue to respond to it. But that complaint wasn't created with Samuel Morris. Um, the, the Greeks were complaining about that as uh, ships would bring in, you know, be like, why does why do we need more ships bringing in more information? So it's something we've always grappled with. And, and I guess the question isn't necessarily like, have we done something new during our particular moment that is or is not breaking us? But rather, what do you individual person need given your own needs and the things around you to be your best? And I like, Rosie, your approach that you are not uh, shooting anybody because everybody's uh, functioning differently. Mm-hmm. And one thing for one person is different than another thing for another person. But I guess the ultimate takeaway, the ultimate thing that we that is universal outside of like specific applications is that thinking about it is important. Mm-hmm. And that like finding the solution for yourself is important. And the solution for me is different than the solution for you. But the thing that unites us both is that we are uh, in search of that solution because yes. the more we figure it out, the better we can live our lives. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I 1000% agree. And as you're saying, the what you're saying, the the people complaining, the Greeks complaining about the information, it's like when you're getting emails. For me, my goal is always to try and get my inbox to zero. Can I get there? Can I respond to all of these emails? And I'm sure people that are listening to this can relate to that feeling. But at the end of the day, you can stop. You you can clock out. You can give yourself, you make, you get to make the, the decision. Actually, two years ago, the decision was made for us. We thought that we would never be able to slow down and the entire country shut down. <laughs> so we were able to see how resilient and how we actually could adapt and how we could pivot our lives, how we were forced to slow down. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a such an incredible awakening moment because it just demonstrated, oh, right, things can happen in life. We are resilient and we know how to adapt. And at the same time, we can restructure what is actually important for us and how important our health is and how, how much we actually care for others and so on. So I still think we, we don't give ourselves enough credit to acknowledge how autonomous we are and how much power we actually have over our own decision-making, especially when it comes to self-care. Yeah. Is there, and I ask you this as a, a kind of final takeaway question. I could talk to you about this or about anything really for um, hours, but I aspire to make this show a kind of commute length, even if people are not commuting as much anymore. So is there an exercise or an approach or something that you like to offer people as a way to maybe maybe run a little review of themselves? You know, a lot of where we've been landing here is like figure out what's right for you and that and that some of the things that we might not think of as self-care actually are. I love your point about how saying no can be self-care, but there has to be a starting point of where am I stressing myself out or where am mm. I not caring for myself? Yeah. And what's your advice for someone to just step back and take a look? That's so easy. Such an easy exercise. And I, I love that you asked that. It's a simple question you ask yourself. How do I feel? How does my heart feel today? That's it. Ask yourself, really ask, when was the last time you asked yourself, Jason, yourself, how do you feel today? Uh, I, I don't know. It's been a long time. You just kind of go. Yeah. You deal, you deal with however it is instead of actually asking yourself. Yeah. I like the question internally. I like to ask myself 
And for, for those of you out there listening, ask yourself the question, how do you feel? And then follow up with how does your heart feel? How do you feel? How does, what is your internal world feeling? And the rest, let it flourish from that point. That's how you begin that, that step-by-step journey that those building blocks begin to form just by, you have to assess where you are. How are you supposed to begin something where you don't actually know? Are you doing it because this is the thing people are now practicing this self-care? <laughs> thing. And now you're wanting to just get on board with that, or you have some sort of internal sense, but you've not stopped long enough to really inquire within. You're just going to sign up for that massage or that therapy or whatever it is, because you feel there is some internal chatter happening, but you've not stopped long enough to really ask yourself a very simple... It can be a very intense thing to ask oneself. So really allow yourself the space to answer that from an open-hearted, grounded place. Well, Rosie, that is a perfect way to end. And I want to I wanna have us both now shut up so that people can go ask themselves that question it is an important one. The book is called You Are Radically Loved. I hope people pick it up and internalize that message because it is so important. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you. Thank you. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.